up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. It has to go to space and back. Are you using uh, Starlink internet? I cannot wait to use it, but no, I have not. Okay. Can anyone use it? I know you can at least sign up. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, a pre-order sign up or a ship it to me now sign up. Is it expensive or is it going to be? Or is it based on how many people sign up? No, I think it's like a, a flat rate and I heard they aren't going to tier it. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's it's like more than what our our current internet is. But if you don't have any options, it's it's pretty quick for the price is what I felt like. I don't know, something like yeah. 70 bucks a month or somewhere in that range for a good bit of upload and download. So Well, I think the goal, at least from what I saw on Twitter, was that if it, say like 7 billion people sign up for it, then yeah, it might be like a dollar a month or whatever. Can you imagine making $7 billion a month? Off of an idea. Well, how many people are in the world, Phil? Five or six billion. Mm, you're off by a couple billion. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I know. We talked about this, remember? There's five or six billion people on the flat earth. Right, right. So our uh, cocktails series sent me mm-hmm. down a rabbit hole that I haven't been down for a while, Phil. And I'm sorry, this is not going to be one of our super, super awkward, slightly punny transitions. But no. I was just thinking about like I living in a different different age, the space age. Apparently it's 2021 and yeah, we're all supposed to have flying cars. So I think it was our old fashioned episode inspired me to get on my uh, simple syrup game. And I ordered some gum Arabic to make some uh, Demerara gum syrup, which is kind of like the next evolution of simple syrup. But one of the things that you need to do to easily and properly incorporate the the gum arabic which is like a an emulsifying agent it's it's actually the sap from an acacia tree but one of the things that you need to do is use something called an immersion circulator to heat that syrup up to a specific point and hold it at that point for a very long time in order to get the gum arabic this emulsifying agent and your kind of super rich simple syrup like a two-to-one simple syrup to syrupify <laughs> and i remembered how much i liked immersion circulators it's too bad they don't exist yeah yeah so i thought it'd be fun to talk about those i'm incredibly fascinated by this concept i've i've heard of these i've never used one you had this idea for an episode and or for this episode and i obviously jumped right on with it because i've i've been curious about not just using them for the sake of like having another kitchen gadget but like the science behind it absolutely blows my mind and sometimes i like to dive into like i don't know futuristic things this seems like a futuristic thing yeah i think it's fun because it is a little bit space age and it's a little kitchen gadgetry i suppose but i think it can have its place like it definitely was a little bit of a fad for a while and pulling it out for this uh simple syrup that i made realized that i i wouldn't mind like trying to intentionally pull it out a little bit more so maybe we should start with what this immersion circulator or sous vide is. Yeah. 
What's a sous vide, Chris? So a sous vide is is actually French for in vacuum. And it really kind of, as a cooking technique, combines a couple interesting concepts. So I think to like really grasp the origins of the sous vide, I think you have to go back to a couple different concepts. And uh, in 1799, there was this guy named Benjamin Thompson who really started experimenting with this idea of low temperature cooking, which I, I think we've like obviously seen the benefits with things like, I don't know, barbecue. Although, yeah, like low and slow. Yeah, but he took it a step further and was like, let's go even lower. So temperature is like 140, maintaining that for a very long time. So it's it's still that like very much that idea of low temperature, long time period. And so kind of what that does is really allows, you know, connective tissues and things like that, collagen and cartilage to break down. And it does some interesting things to the the overall texture of your food. We, we have that concept. And then kind of the next step wasn't for a really long time. So in, in the 60s, a, a lot of people started messing around with this idea of like vacuum cooking. And it's this idea of, of cooking your food with it being in a vacuum. And when you're doing that, you retain all of the things that you started out with. You know, if you throw a, a pot on a stove and simmer it, you know, like simmer like a, a a sauce or something, there's water that's going to evaporate and then flavor is going to get distilled and things are going to change. But when you're cooking within a vacuum, you don't lose any ingredients at all. You retain everything that you started out with. So what they what they found was that your food retained a lot more flavor and a lot more fresh flavor when you were cooking that way. So they're like cooking with this vacuum cooker and or they're using this vacuum cooker and I can imagine they're just standing over the pot and then they're just like, man, this thing sucks. But it really doesn't, Chris. I'm guessing that was You a, know I had to put that in there. That was, that was a play I had vacuums, to go there. I suppose. Uh, sure. If you suppose it, then I suppose it. Yeah. So you kind of jump forward a little bit. The mid-1970s, early 80s, there's actually two separate chefs that come to this same place of combining these two ideas. Pierre Toigro and Bruno Gasalt both came to this place where they really synthesized the low temp and the vacuum cooking. And it was, it was probably Gasalt that really commercialized it and like pushed the development of it through kind of the 80s and 90s and came up with this concept that we now call sous vide. And sous vide really is combining this vacuum sealed idea to some extent and this low temperature, really long cook time approach. Yeah, and I think it's really kind of fascinating because typically when you think of a kitchen gadget, the idea is that it's going to speed up time. You know, like yeah. kitchen gadgets are always I on the cutting that. edge wish list for Christmas. Like it's always, you know, the Instapot is obviously pretty in. Yeah. It's on the, it's, it's, it's trending. It's always trending, right? It's, you know, whatever we can do to make our lives easier. And like when you had the idea to talk about the sous vide, I, I honestly, like my first thought was like, I don't think we've really covered a kitchen gadget yet is the first kitchen gadget we're going to cover the opposite of what everybody thinks of when they think of a kitchen gadget. Cause I think it's kind of cool. Like I, I don't know. I like to go against the grain. I like to 
be anti-trends. Yeah. Yes and no, Phil. Yes and no. Honestly, like it's not too far off from like a a Crock-Pot or an Instapot in terms of like its actual ease of use. So like maybe just kind of we need to break down what actually is an immersion circulator or a sous vide. So you you said you you kind of dove into it a little bit. Like how would you describe what a, a sous vide is? Oh, no. Put me on the spot like this. I you know, it, okay. So it's this it's this appliance, this apparatus, and you stick it in a pot of water, and science happens. Yes, and it creates circulation and heat, and the heat <laughs> is caused by the circulation. Is this? Am I kind of yeah, going yeah, down? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, hole? so that that's. That's definitely like along the right track. So basically what an immersion circulator is, it's a heating device for a water bath. So you're basically using a a, a Bon Marie in a very, very precise and controlled way. I, I think you've brought up like a, a double broiler. That's kind of like the same concept as a sous vide. You take a big pot, fill it with water, and then you put your immersion circulator, your sous vide into that pot. And it then it has more or less a pump that creates that circulation action. And so it, it kind of pulls in the water and runs it through a heating element and then pushes out that heated water. So the water is kind of constantly flowing and it's it's heating it. But the cool thing about it is it can take that water to a very, very precise temperature. It's like a tenth of a degree. So you can you can hold wow. that water at, you know, 141.5 degrees if you really wanted to. Okay, so that's... That's kind of that low temp part of the process. But then the vacuum sealing part of the process is like how you treat your food. So typically you'll hear of your food being vacuum sealed in like a a plastic bag of some sort. But honestly, like you don't have to get that fancy. You can totally get away with just putting your cut of meat in a Ziploc bag and dropping it into water and the water pressure pushes all of the air out and then you can seal it without any air in it. But then you would take that bag and and drop it in your heated pot of water that's being circulated by your sous vide. And then interesting, you let it cook for a specific amount of time. Yeah, because like the idea is that if you were to say just just use your oven, for example, I, I think like I think my traditional oven can get down to 170, but is it actually holding a consistent temperature of 170? Probably yeah. not. I know my gas oven definitely won't because yeah. the heating element only has one temperature on. And so like it, it heats up and then turns off and cools and then like the gas lights and it heats up and it cools and it heats up and it cools. But yeah, like you said, most of them don't go that low. Even like oh, these, again, sticking with the trends, all these different types of grills that you can have in the backyard, you know, if you're if you're really into doing some type of low and slow, say, a brisket, whether you're using, you know, some lump charcoal or a smoker or whatever to actually keep that temperature consistent all the way throughout can be challenging. And you can get good at that, you know, whatever it is that you're using. But I think like the precision of the sous vide is it's science, Chris, and science <laughs> should amaze you. It amazes me. It should amaze you. Yeah. So I think it actually kind of connects back to one of our previous episodes. Again, the the meat thermometer episode. I love that episode. So, you know, like what the big idea that we were talking in that episode about was just like temperatures of meat relating to doneness. Yeah, as opposed to like the, the amount of time elapsed. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> a little, little bit of a... <laughs> 
a little bit of a refresher on that. Say say you have a steak, and I don't remember the temperatures off the top of my head exactly. But if oh, you quiz me, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Okay, let's see if I can get so this. So you you have just like a beef steak. Uh-huh. Not not pork or, or chicken or salmon, but beef. Tuna. And Tuna steak. No. No. Right. I'm going with salmon on this one. Uh, but but yeah, you, you had a beef steak and you want it at exactly like the perfect medium well. What temperature would that be? Medium well? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 165. Okay. I don't remember. No, 175. So I, can't, I can't check you. Medium is 160, I think. Oh, Chris. Phil, we We're need to go with that. this because I was I was thinking medium was like 145. Okay, steak temps. Uh, 145 is medium. Okay, you were you were right. Yeah, 160 is well done. <laughs> that was way off. I knew it started with an S though. Yeah. So like the idea is that when the internal temperature of something is at a specific temperature at a specific point, it is a specific level of cooked. So the challenge when say you have a barbecue or an oven and that's at like 350 or 400 is that like your temperature is always rising in in your meat because it's like, you know, rising to the temperature of your cooking device. And so you have to kind of time it to the the perfect point that the internal temperature is like at that level of doneness that you want it. And pull it out then. And if you pull it out too early, it's undercooked. If you pull it out too late, it's overcooked. These are kind of like super, super basic things that we have all experienced. Yeah, they're super basic things that that keep us from trying it again. (laughs) Yeah. So really the cool thing with the sous vide is that if you want your steak to be 145, you set your sous vide for 145. And it's never going to go over that. So does it, like regardless of how long you leave it in, you're saying it'll never go above that? Yeah, so you will never overcook that steak. So if you leave it in for two hours at 145, it's not going to come out well done. What if you want the outermost part of the steak to be a higher temperature than the innermost part of the steak? What if the core you want to be 145, but the skin, the flesh, you want to be, I don't know, higher than that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so that that actually kind of brings us to uh, one of the extra steps needed potentially often with a sous vide. So kind of really the idea is that you're cooking a core temperature of a food to a specific point. Like you can bring a steak and hold it exactly at 145. And and when you're doing that, time kind of doesn't matter as much. As long as you get the steak up to that point, you're not going to overcook it. So there's that idea that like it honestly can be as easy as a crock pot because you just stick your immersion circulator in your pot, toss your food in. And, and all of these things these days are so smart. You can set a timer so that it doesn't start till a specific time. You can set a timer so that it'll stop at a specific time. So you can start all this before you go to work. And when you come home, it's going to be perfectly cooked. And the next step usually with a sous vide, especially when you're, you're dealing with meat, and that's really kind of where it excels because, you know, like a, a, a crock pot, oftentimes you have some type of liquid in it. So you're like creating this saucy kind of, you know, crock potty type meal. We all know what that is. Yeah. You, you can't cook a steak in a crock pot. No. Well, you can. You just might lose your family over it. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of like where the sous vide would excel. You just pull that out. And then really because you're you're not exactly boiling it, but you're not cooking it over high heat. And so you're not getting those caramelizing uh, Maillard reactions that create that like red meat like flavor that a lot of us love you're going to want to sear it so you can either do that over like grill or you can do that on the stove but 
oftentimes, especially with me, you you are going to have that second step to it. And that's when you're going to bring the outer temperature up a little bit higher there, Phil. High, high enough that you can have those Maillard reactions. You can get that browning going on on your meat exterior or your vegetables. Would you sear it beforehand or afterward? Yeah, you're usually going to sear it afterwards. So it's always going to be a reverse sear. And that is kind of one of the cool things about a sous vide is that you can kind of like do meal prep early on in the week and then it'll save. It'll save for quite a while. And then you can just, you know, pull that out of the refrigerator, let it come up to room temp, toss it on a heat source, whatever your preference is. And you've got dinner in like 15 minutes. What if you wanted to trick science and you've got your core temperature, you've got the water doing its thing, and then you take a couple of ice cubes and you throw it in the water. Is it gonna is it gonna explode on you? What's what's gonna happen? Is nothing gonna happen? No, it's, it's just gonna melt the ice cube. It's probably gonna explode and burn your whole entire house down. Okay. So do you recommend <laughs> I do this or no? Because I can't quite tell. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Give it give it a go and uh report back, Phil. <laughs> So yeah, sous vide is like a, it can be a very, very convenience oriented thing, but honestly, like it really got its time in the sun due to all of the really, really like high end restaurants that adopted it. So I, I want to say like Thomas Keller was one of the first in the US and then you have Granta Shots and um, even Sean Brock was like a, a really big proponent of sous vide. And in terms of like popular usage, it's still a super new thing, relatively speaking, like within the past couple decades. And it's had several trendy moments, but uh, I don't know. I I think it's something that can have its place in an everyday kitchen. Not the least of which, Phil, is for cocktails. Okay. I was hoping you were going to land on that because when I was looking this up, it was like just as high on the Google search engine was its use for cocktails. So what do we do with it? Yeah, and and maybe maybe it's Death & Co. They've been a pretty big proponent of it for several different types of cocktail ingredients. But kind of the, the aforementioned simple syrup that, that we talked about with Demerara gum, like something like an immersion circulator is really, really helpful in creating that gum syrup. Because honestly, I think, I think when I did mine last, it was like 145 degrees for two hours. And so that's, that's like definitely a very precise temperature that's kind of hard to maintain for that long. So I think there are two main things that you can do with an immersion circulator that uh, really can, can benefit cocktails. One would be syrups. And then the second would be different types of infusions. So I think the benefits of, of a sous vide are a couple. You know, one, you do have that ability to hold a lower temperature for a long time. There's also the element of that vacuum. You're not losing any element of what you have in your syrup or infusion. So you're not letting stuff evaporate off. So like in in practical terms, that means that if you're making a fruit infusion of some sort, that you're not going to lose those flavors. You're going to retain a lot of those really, really fresh flavors. So like if you're doing like berries or something, you'll be able to retain like a really fresh berry flavor instead of kind of developing a darker syrupy reduced type of flavor. But uh, honestly, I think 
for me. The Death & Co. recipes, I think, are some of the most interesting that I've come across. They're different infusions and syrups. And if you're not familiar, uh, so De Death & Co. is a, a bar that is from New York. They actually also have a location in Denver now. But they've... Oh, nice. The, the kind of founders of Death & Co. have written a couple cocktail books. One just titled Death & Co. And then the second, which they actually won a James Beard Award for, I want to say just cookbook of the year, not necessarily like drinks Holy book smokes. of the year, but it's called The Cocktail Codex. And it has so many fantastic recipes that you can use an immersion circulator for. I will put links in the show notes. What is something you cannot cook in an immersion circulator? Uh, you probably can't cook a hamster. You can. You shouldn't. You shouldn't cook a hamster. Oh, man. So the answer is nothing, Phil. We're getting canceled. Can you bake with a sous vide? Try it. Just try it. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying try it. You can poach eggs in it, Phil. That's close enough, right? Oh, I bet, I bet you can. That would be great. Especially because when you poach eggs, it needs that circulation, right? To stay together, to coagulate. So sous vide. It doesn't sound so hard. No, it, it actually sounds pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to buy one. Uh, how much are these things? Honestly, you can find them for not a crazy ton. I don't remember the brand. I just saw one. It was on sale for like 49 bucks. You'll see them anywhere from that, like 50 to 150 You know what else you can find for not a crazy ton? Place to review our podcast. Yes, exactly. Just go to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and while you're at it, jump over to Instagram, give us a follow. We'd love to hear from you guys and girls and they, she, him, what? Okay, I mean, I'm getting myself in trouble. The hamsters. We're getting back to the hamsters. We'd love to hear from the hamsters at Dad's Kitchen Co. That's easily our worst ending to the show. <laughs>